Does anyone know how long this is supposed to go for? An hour. An hour? An hour. Let's do it for an hour then. <laughs> nice. And then what's after this? Another workshop. I'm doing another one then. Come in. Hello. Come in, guys. There are a few seats here or there's a table along the back. Or along the side. <laughs> are those windows open over there? Perfect. All right, what are we feeling? Do we reckon there's going to be any more stragglers or? <laughs> <laughs> Just can't. I'll give him one more minute to fill that one seat. Get the seat. Okay, all the seats are full. That's all we can fit. Oh no, there's one over there. Here we go. There we go. Alright, well let's get started and see how it is. Two o'clock. Let the strategies come in. I'm Steve. Nice to meet you guys. We're looking at spiritual gifts. Is that even the right place? Yeah. So, just to start, is anyone here that goes, I know exactly what my spiritual gifts are? I know somebody asked me, I can tell you. If you do, that's great. That's where we want to get. Brilliant. We've got someone who kind of has some idea. What about people who kind of like go, got some vague idea of kind of what's my strong gifts are? I just want to ask you, I wouldn't be that confident telling them. Who's in that? Who's in that? Cool. And then who comes here going, I have no idea. No idea. Or like, I don't even know what you're talking about when you say through to get What I would love is for you to be able to walk out of here, maybe not being able to clearly go, this is exactly what my gift is, but at least to have some idea of how you might walk towards that, how you might explore it. Um, I want to give you a few thoughts and tools to try to, to try and start to do that. And so the way that I want to do this, I just want to drop this little diagram that we're going to work through, and it's, it's a nice, it's a lovely pyramid. And... I want to work from the bottom of this pyramid up and for us to try to work out what our gifts are. Actually, it's, it's not exactly a pyramid. It's more like an iceberg and that's meant to be water. And that's the tip of the iceberg. And it, with gifts, often what all we see is the tip of the iceberg, but there's a whole lot of stuff that comes underneath that kind of sits below the water. Who knows that icebergs are only the very tip of the water. And below the water, is a massive chunk of ice. Um, and so I want to look at this, start by looking at this chunk of ice between, below the water and then work up to see what kind of shows the top. 
And at the very base of this iceberg, if we like this very bottom section, is something that is very foundational for, for any, any human, any, any person. And it's a foundational for any action, basically, that we have as people. And the, the foundation is what we believe. Beliefs are, are the foundation of the way that we act in the world. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's few beliefs that are really key. And I don't know if you got, most of you have pens and paper, which is great. You might want to be writing some stuff down as I'm going through that will help you to um, work on this later as well. But there's, I think there are probably four key beliefs, and probably more, the four key beliefs that I think of when it comes to starting to discover your spiritual gifts. And if you, if you don't, if you, I'm not trying to tell you to believe these things, but these are things that you need to recognise in order to accept whatever God is giving you. Yes, yeah, the first thing is that God is good. It's a pretty foundational belief, a very foundational belief to, to Christianity. That God is a good God. What happens in Genesis 1 and 5, right at the beginning of the story? Anyone know what happens there? God creates the world. And as he creates the world, what does he say about it? He says it's good. He looks at each of the things he makes and he goes, this is good. Why? Why does he look at what he's made and say it's good? The reason, sorry? Because he made it. And what does what he made do? It reflects who he is. And so when God says, Oh, what a made, what a created here. This is good. He's talking about who he is. What he has made is a reflection of himself. It is really foundational. And so when we create things and we look at them, they're a reflection of who we are. And in the very beginning, when God makes this um, stuff, the world that we're in, what it says is at the very beginning there's darkness over the whole land. And the spirit of God hovers over the waters. And there's the Spirit of God that does the creating. This creative power is what God uses from Himself to create. Spirit is His creative power and His Spirit then reflects His goodness. So if you want to know the first foundational belief, God is good. And what He makes, what He does, reflects who he is. So, second foundational belief is related to this, and it is that God gives good gifts. So, throughout the Bible, God is um, understood, is described as a father. And it talks about God giving good gifts to his children. A few Bible verses for, for this that you might want to look up later. Matthew 7.11 Jesus is talking to people about asking God for things in prayer and getting things from God in prayer and Jesus talks, says this if you, as in us as humans if we're evil in comparison to God God's good, we're incomparably evil if you know how to give good gifts to your children if, if our fathers know how to give good gifts to us then how much more will your father who is in heaven God give good things to those who ask Him. God gives good gifts to His children. 
and we're talking about spiritual gifts. It's interesting that in Luke we have all, almost the same thing. I can't, I can't write and talk at the same. God, good. God gives. <laughs> good gifts. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to do. Um, in Luke, Jesus says almost exactly the same thing. So that passage in Matthew, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to his children? When Luke, another gospel writer, writes this, he writes, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So not only does this father give good gifts, but actually the gift that he gives is his spirit. And the spirit that he gives to his children, those who turn to him as their father, is that created power that, that made the world. It's a reflection of his goodness. The thing, so when, when we when we come to God in prayer and we ask him for things, he gives us his spirit, a reflection of himself and power. The third foundational belief is that these gifts that God gives, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, things that He gives to children, are actually part of who He is. When we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're actually called talking about the Spirit's gifts, gifts of the Spirit, gifts that belong to the Spirit of God. And so He's actually giving us Himself, and He gives us so that we'll reflect Him. So just like his creation reflects him, he gives us his spirit so that we will reflect what he's like. We sang this this morning in one of our songs. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. I pour my praise to you. It's your breath. That word breath, spirit, is exactly the same word throughout the Bible. So when we're breathing in our breath, we're breathing in God's spirit. It's his Spirit, His breath in our lungs that we breathe in so that we pour out our praise. A verse for this, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-11. says, There are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And the author Paul, he, he lists a whole bunch of the different gifts. And he, after this he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So the Spirit, so, so manifestation meaning a way for the Spirit to be seen with the eye, given the manifestation for the Spirit for the common good. So the gifts he gives are part of him. So he gives himself to us when he gives us his gifts. We all, all right so far? I know this is, these are, might seem basic to some of us, but these are foundational beliefs in this thing. And the fourth one is an interesting one. Because usually when you get given a gift, just for your birthday or for Christmas or something, and you kind of go, this is, this is a gift you've given to me. And it's, for me, I've got three little little boys, and if you give them a, a, a gift, then that's mine. My brothers aren't playing with it. That's my gift. And we think that gifts that are given to us, like, no, no, no hang on, this was given to me. So don't try to take it from me. This is my gift. The interesting thing about the gift that God gives is that they actually aren't given for us. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. God doesn't give gifts to us for us. 
He gives gifts to us, to other people. So in that passage I just read out 1 Corinthians 12, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, each is given gifts for the common good. It's given to everyone else. Ephesians 4.12 said he gave certain gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Why? To equip the saints, to equip everybody else for work of the ministry, to build up people, encourage people. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received his gift, what should we do with it? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of what God has given. So, gifts are given for other people. They're given to us, but the purpose of God giving them to us is for other people. Okay, so these are our foundation, foundational beliefs. Unless we start with these beliefs, then we're probably not going to get very far in discovering our years 20 days. We're probably not going to start getting very far in discovering gifts. So what, where we've come to you guys, we're just looking at how do we discover spiritual gifts. And what we need to start with is what we believe. And there's a four foundational beliefs. God is good. God gives good gifts. The gifts that he gives are actually part of himself. And the gifts he gives aren't actually for us, they're for other people. The second thing in our iceberg or our triangle pyramid in discovering how, how what our gifts are is to ask what do we love? Or another way of saying that might be what do we desire? What do you what do you love? So if you think of like what do you love doing? And it might be worth you know, making a list of stuff. If you're trying to discover what your gifts are, what do, what are some things that you love doing? Like some things that you kind of go, this this doing this type of thing, it brings me alive. I love this. Or maybe another way to think of it in terms of what you desire. What do you, what do you want? If you think of spiritual gifts and you think of the things that God could give you, what do you what do you actually want? What if you were like, what are you actually asking God for you? And do you know that? Because I think sometimes we go, I want to have my spiritual gifts. And I ask, well, what do you want? I don't know. Whatever God will give me. Well, why don't we start by going, okay, what, what about you? How are you created? What do you love? And what do you want to do? If you could give any gift, what would you have? It's interesting in 1 Corinthians 14.1. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Paul says pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts he says eagerly desire that's not just take whatever's given to you he's saying what do you desire eagerly desire things from the spirit things that reflect who God is things that are good you can give for other people so the question is what do you desire what do you want do you know and my guess is that most of us don't, most of us haven't sat down and thought about what we want because we think it sounds selfish to ask for something that we want. Actually, it's not. It's, it's not a selfish thing to do because it's for somebody else. God wants to use you for other people. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, and Paul goes on, especially that you may prophesy. 
don't know if you've read that verse before, have you read that before? Pursue love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And prophecy is really one of the greatest gifts that God gives because prophecy is about revealing who God is. It's words of encouragement that build up, that point the good in people, point out the God part of people, the things in people that reflect His goodness, the fact that He is good and He's created us. That's what prophecy is. Encouragement. Words that lift up and build up. And so when we ask, okay, what do we want? What do we desire? We can actually approach this and go, the reason why we can ask this question is because in one sense, we have access to every single gift that there is. How can you say that? How can I have access to every gift? Well, the reason is because they're a reflection of God, aren't they? And when God gives his spirit to you, he doesn't just give part of his spirit to you. He gives his whole spirit to you. He gives himself to you. You have the spirit of God in you that you've invited him into your life to be a child of his. You have the whole person of God, so the whole reflection of who God is can be reflected to the world. But in another sense, we receive gifts from God that reflect God based on how he has made us individually. And so that's why it's good to ask, okay, well, what do I love? Because you might, you might love flying kites, but I don't really love flying kites that much. There might be things in your life that you love to do. You might love going and chatting to new people that you've never met before at a party, whereas for me that might be something that's quite scary and I don't love doing that. It just makes me feel awkward and uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. And so God gifts us in ways that reflect how he has made us so that we can reflect him to other people. And some of you might be saying, okay, well, if I'm going to ask God for what I desire, well, how do I know if what I desire is what God desires, like desires? What if I'm desiring something that's not from Him? And I think it's a great question. In short, you would ask, okay, well, how are, the, how are our desires shaped? It's a much bigger question, and I would love to talk about it. Have you got a question now? Yeah, um, can your spiritual gifts uh, have nothing to do with God? Spiritual gifts can't have nothing to do with God. Do you know why? Oh, because he made the whole Yeah, but like, could it be like sport? Oh, nothing to do with the church and nothing to do with religion? Absolutely. You can use sport. A way to think of spiritual gifts is, what is something that God has given me that I can use that can reflect him to other people? Can you use sport to reflect what God's like? Yeah. You can. It's a spiritual gift then. So anything that we can use that God has given that will reflect who he is to other people is a spiritual gift. We have this thing where we separate things that are spiritual to things that are of the earth or something. I don't know what we said, how we separate it. Yeah, yeah spiritual and would you say secular. Secular, yes. Exceptional and sacred. Actually, everything <coughs> is spiritual. If it's, if it's good, anything that's good in the world is spiritual. Everything that's bad in the world is spiritual as well. It's just not the faith of God. It's still spiritual. And so, how do you work out whether your desires are God's desires? Whether they reflect Him? And how do you shape your desires to be God's desires? Well, your desires are shaped by what you worship. And so, if you are seeking God, 
and you're worshipping him, you're, you're going after him, that is where your desires become, become shaped by. And your whole life will become shaped around that. If you desire, if you worship money, as an example, then your desires will be for more money. If you worship appearance um, on the surface, then your desires will be to look right before people. If you worship God, then He shapes our desires to be in line with Him. There's more I could say about desire and kind of where that goes, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably just say in, in general, don't worry about that. It's kind of God, that's God's work. He will do stuff in you, He will change you as you seek Him. But the real question is, what do you desire? What spiritual gift do you desire? And what do you love to do? What are those things that bring you alive, that make the, you passionate about, that you, that you want? How's this going so far? Any, any questions? Any more questions as we go? And 
It's just really our action or our expression. This is all that people see. And this is all that people see in spiritual gifts. There's a whole bunch of spiritual gifts that are listed in different passages in the Bible. You want to have a look up some of them? In Romans 12, 6-8, Paul lists a bunch of spiritual gifts. Gifts that God gives to reflect in ears. Prophecy, as we've already talked about. Serving, teaching, persuasion, giving, money, <coughs> gifts, leadership, mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, there's more gifts to list, listed here. These aren't lists that kind of go, these are all the spiritual gifts. We said, you know, sport could easily be listed there if that's going to reflect who God is. 1 Corinthians 12, word of wisdom, word, a word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, it talks about hospitality, speaking on God's behalf and serving other people. And these lists of gifts that we see in these different passages in the Bible are really just here. It's just the expression of what comes below. So, it is an expression of what God's like. All his gifts have a family likeness. It's like as children, you have a family likeness to your parents. And God gives things that reflect what He is like. And that's the basis. When you become a Christian, you're given His Spirit to reflect Him. I feel like I've made that clear, but it's so, it's so foundational, it's so key. So I guess the question, kind of having looked at that pyramid, is how do you believe that God might have gifted you? So if you have a piece of paper in front of you, then why don't you just write something down? Just have a, have a go. Write something down. How do you think that God might have gifted you? And if you don't have a piece of paper, just, just think about it. Or write on your phone. And it's good, it's good for us to know and to be able to articulate how God's gifted us because it reflects Him. It's actually about us. How has God gifted you. What, what do you think he might have given to you to reflect himself to others? Let's give you a, a minute. <coughs> if you're like, I'm not sure, why don't you just write down something that, oh, I'd love it if God had given me in this way. It's just something I desire. Like it's something I
pretty warm in here, isn't it? Yeah. Alright, let me sit down Okay, well when I ask how do you feel like God has given you, you might have a few different a few different responses. Some of us still might be going, well, Steve, I don't have any gifts. Anyone, you don't have to put up your hand, but anyone feeling that? <coughs> if you're still in that place, you're kind of going, I don't have any gifts, I haven't been gifted, then where you need to start, and it's a fine place to be, you just need to start with your beliefs. Look at what you believe. We've been through this. God's good. God gives good gifts. What he gives is himself. And he gives them for the sake of others. So, look at what you, what you believe. And maybe you just need to start spending some time with God and letting him tell you that. He's given you stuff. He's given all his children gifts. So, none of us, as God's children who have come to him, who have been given his spirit, which is a prerequisite of being a Christian. That's why when you come to Jesus, he gives you a spirit. Because they do anything. You have gifts. So some of us might be still saying, I don't really have any idea still what my gifts are. You got a question? I was going to say, from one of the gifts that they can do is one speech. Speech. That's great. Might be work for someone here. If you don't feel like you've got any gifts, you can still speak words to people. To encourage them. It's good. Some of you might go, I don't have any idea what my gifts are. So, my question to you is how would you make somebody else feel loved? If you saw someone who was down, or how, how would you make them feel loved? You'd encourage them. Okay. There might be other ways that you could. And would you? How would you do that with words or words? Yeah. Okay. So you would. You would use words to encourage someone. But somebody else might go. Well, actually, if I saw someone that was down and I wanted to show them that I loved them, I'd buy them a gift. I'd buy them a present. And some other people might say, Well, if I saw someone that I wanted to show that I loved them, then I'd do something for them. I'd go and help them with something. Um, so, yeah. Um, just, I was going to say about that. I'm showing how this, like, talent is getting into that. Like, yep. what if there's someone who, like, they want to show desires to be a worshiper, but they just didn't have the musical talent, like? Brilliant question. We're going to come to that. So, um, you're asking what, how would you make someone love, feel loved? Different people do it in different ways. It's a good place to start, to go, okay, well, if I show love in a certain way, that reflects something of the way that God has made you and gifted you. So explore that further. And some of us might have that same response. Hey, Who's going? Hannah. Hannah. That's Hannah. Like, I might have certain desires, but I'm not good at that thing. Or some of us might even go, I'm not good at anything. Like, how can you say I'm not going to I'm not good at anything. Well, the thing is that when God gives gifts, from my perception, from what I've experienced and what I've seen, is that he usually gives seeds. He doesn't give fully formed trees. 
God doesn't hand out the gift in its full formation. He gives you a seed. And he expects us to take that seed from him to receive it. Okay, thank you. This is a gift that you've given me. And then to plant that seed. And to give that seed time to grow. So how do you, what do you do if you're given a, a seed as a gift? You, you put it in the soil. What does it mean for us as people to reflect God, to be put in the soil? It means for us to be part of community. It means that for us to have other people around us who are just in the same boat as us, that can encourage us, that we can work out together how I have been built and how I can express myself. If God's giving you a seed, then plant it. Plant it in community. You need people around you to encourage you. You need people around you that can start to help you explore this further. What else do we need? Because a seed needs, once it's been planted, it needs, it needs the sun. It needs something, a source of energy for it to be able to, to come out of the ground. And the sun is really, you could, you could talk about the least as the sun. This is, this is God's goodness that like shines down on us, that gives us life here. And we need to know that over and over again. This is what Tom was talking about this morning. It's, it's the knowing God. It's knowing how to hear God. It's pursuing Him so that we can hear His words to us. So we need to be planted in the ground. We need the sun in order to allow for us to grow. We need to, to water that seed. Watering the seed is doing something. You don't just plant a seed in the ground and just leave it and hope that it might grow just from the sun. It doesn't. It'll, it'll at best just go dormant. At worst, it'll die. Unless we water our seed, unless we begin to do something just to explore, and this is the scary part, this is the part where we go, okay, well, if I don't have skills in this area, then I need to work out how I can grow in those skills. If you've got this burning desire and stuff, and you, you know, if you, let's take leading worship for an example again. If you have this burning desire to lead worship and you can't sing, and you go to your pastor or your, your leader or your worship pastor and you say, well, I want to join the worship team. And yet, I don't know what they have in your church, but if they have like a system where you have a audition and they say to you, no, not in, not good enough. What do you do? You don't just go, oh, okay, because he's so so, then I want to see this gift that I think Christ given You go away and you go, what do I need in order to grow in this gift? You might need to have 10 years of singing before you can leave worship. You might need to work on this skill in order to express it. I guess I tell that story from my personal experience. I felt God when I was 18. I felt this desire to, to lead worship. And I grew up playing trumpet, and I had a mentor at the time. And I went to my mentor and I said, I feel like, I feel like God's saying to me, I don't really know how to articulate, but I feel like I'm saying start leading worship. And his response to me was, great, you can lead worship from trumpet, you can do, you know, leadership value influence, and you can do that from anywhere in the band. 
And he said, I was like, oh, I know that's true, but it's not what I feel inside. It's not, it's not the burning desire in my heart. And I said, I feel like I need to, to sing and play some guitar. Actually, I felt like God said to me, you can either teach yourself guitar or teach yourself to mix on decks. And I was like, well, guitar is yes, I'll do that. So I sat in my room and expressed myself to God and taught myself guitar and spent hours upon hours upon hours. My, my hands didn't work together. I, I was clumsy at when it came to my, my hands on guitar. But I, I worked hard on it. And I couldn't sing to save my life. So I had a mate who was in my soccer team, and he was a singing teacher. And I said to him, I feel like I was calling me but I don't think I can sing very well. Can you, can you teach me to sing? And he said, yeah, sure, come on, I'll teach you to sing. He was a classically trained singer and won competitions and everything. And I came to him and it wasn't until about eight years later that he said to me, when you first sang that first note in that lesson, I was like, are you sure that God sang to you? Because <laughs> I, I wasn't a good singer. But I had this conviction, I had this desire, and God used that and then to, to grow you. To grow you in, in the gift, to allow your gifts to flourish. And about five years after I had um, been leading worship in the church, I led the youth band and I was leading the morning service and the evening service. Adam Mates was planning a church and he said, Look, I'm going to be the worship pastor of a church. And I was worship pastor of that church for eight years. From this desire that grew within me, I don't know where the desire came from except that it came from God. And I didn't feel like I had the skills in the area. I, I listened to other worship and go, they got a beautiful voice. I was like, no, I, I use what God's given me. And you, I work on that. And I allow that gift to grow. And the fourth thing, fourth thing that you need, you need the soil, you need the community around you, you need the sun, you need his word, his promises. You need to water it, you need to work on it. The fourth thing you need is time. So often we're just like, well, I asked God for a gift and I didn't get it. We never gave it any time. If that's what you desire, then you go after it. Keep pursuing it. And at some point it might become clear that, no, actually, I don't realise what was behind my desire. I don't really want that anymore. I don't, I don't really want to be famous. And so why am I pursuing this thing just so I can become famous? Keep going, give it time, there's no rush. Go easy on yourself and let God use you as He desires. And the thing as you do that is He'll promote you in His heart. It's all in His heart. You know, that little story of me becoming a worship pastor and worship leader is just really a smaller story within a bigger story. Actually, when I was in primary school, I did public speaking. I was in a debating team and there was this one point that I just had this thought that popped into my head when I was in primary school. It was like, God wants me to speak on his behalf when I'm older. And when I had that thought, it freaked me out. It totally freaked me out. I was like, I hate stepping up in front of people. It scares me the life out of me. And I don't think I want to do that. Thanks very much. And so what did I do? I avoided it. Through high school, I didn't join the debate team. I didn't do any public speaking if I didn't have to. I still had to do some talk in class. 
but I avoided this thing that I was scared of. And it wasn't until I was out of school again. I remember I was at Soul Survivor back when it was at tonight. And one night, the person who was speaking was Michael Abati, if you know him. He said, God, there's some people here that, um, and you had this thing that God wants you to speak on his behalf. And if you want that, then come forward for some prayer. And I don't know if you've ever had that kind of sinking feeling in your gut where you go, like, yeah, I do want that, but I'm scared. And so I went up front and someone prayed for me. Nothing dramatic happened. But there was just this reawakening, this affirming of what God had put in my heart all those years before that I was, I was so afraid of. I love this thing that um, Chris Vallison says, that your destiny usually lies on the other side of your greatest fear. And some of us get so scared of what God might be calling us to do because we think that it's not for our good, but actually it's for your best. Well, he gives a good gift for your good. And so when I became the worship pastor, what God was actually doing, sure there's some other gifts that he'd given me to, that he was nurturing. What he was doing is making me feel comfortable in front of other people. I got up there and I sang. Didn't have to say anything. That's what I was scared of. And over those years, he developed this gift that he had been developing me in me all along. And just at the beginning of this year, I've just taken a role as a first year pastor in another church where I'm speaking up front every second week. Does it scare me? Yeah, it does scare me. But have I seen God's faithfulness in what he's planted inside me and the, the desires that he's given me, the things that I love? I love seeing people come to see afresh and in new ways what God is like and what he's placed in. And this is an amazing way to be able to do that. Has that been helpful? Do we have any any kind of questions as yet? Kind of yeah. So we talked about um, like natural talent and then also desires. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like discerning if something's from God, for me, um, if I'm like naturally not good at that, like the worship example, I would think like, oh, that obviously isn't my spiritual gift if I'm not gifted in it. Yep. So um, a desire can also, like I guess you said, look at the motivation behind it. But um, a desire, like God can develop that desire. Is that right? So totally. like you can use like your natural yes. abilities. Yep. And then also if the desire doesn't necessarily align with what your talent is in, that can still like... He will totally still use that. And he will shape your desires. Like, that's why it's important to be honest with our desires. And then look behind what's left behind the desire. And if you desire that thing and you look behind that desire, and that desire is for people to come to see Jesus like they do when you leave worship and you go, I'm not skilled in that area. I don't want to put in the effort to become more skilled in that area. And so ask, okay, well, how else can that desire be met? Leading worship's not the only way. When you pray for people, same thing happens. So maybe your expression is different to what you actually thought. And yeah, maybe it's just the same. Just desire for people to, to see God. Just it's just the tip of the iceberg. It looks a bit different. Is that is that helpful? Yeah.
is in terms of like giving out the seeds. Yeah. Um, would you say that God could give out a seed um, that's like to with a certain gift and then like you um, explore that and might be like, no, that's not for me and then move on? And Absolutely. That's like not everything will become yep. the ultimate. Exactly. Did everyone hear that? Everything explored isn't necessarily going to come to complete fruition. It's not, I mean, where does planting the seed is really, when the tree grows, you don't have an apple tree. It's got an orange tree. But, yeah, so you, it's just about going, okay, God, I'm going to use what you've given me and explore what that becomes. Hmm. Any other questions? No rush. Be bold if you have a question. Why don't you talk to this person next to you and just ask them if they have a question?
And so, Father, we ask that you would do just that to us. That you would show to us afresh your goodness, how good you are. That we would be overwhelmed by that goodness toward us. That we receive everything you have to give to us. Not be, not be afraid that it might be doing us damage, but know that it's good that because it reflects you. Yes, scary still, but it's good. So we ask that you would grow us in those things. And we ask, Father, that you would grow us in those things for the sake of those who sit next to us, those right beside us, that they experience you by what you've given us. And not only those beside us, but, but everyone we come in contact with. But our gifts, things you've given to us specifically based on how we're made, we show the world what you are like.
Yes. 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 Yes.
Thank you. 